Section 17 of Violets and Other Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Violets and Other Tales by Alice Moore. Section 17 Farewell and Little Miss Sophie. Farewell. Farewell, sweetheart, and again farewell. Today we part. And who can tell if we shall e'er again meet and with clasped hands renew our vows of love and forget the sad, dull pain? Dear heart, tis bitter thus to lose thee, and think mayhap you will forget me. And yet I thrill as I remember long and happy days fraught with sweet love and pleasant memories that linger still you go to loved ones who will smile and clasp you in their arms and all the while i stay and moan for you my love my heart and strive to gather up life's dull gray thread and walk alone i with you love the red and gold goes from my life and leaves it cold and dull and bare. Why should I strive to live and learn, and smile and jest, and daily try you from my heart to tear? Nay, sweetheart, rather would I lie me down and sleep for aye, or fly to regions far where cruel fate is not, and lovers live nor feel the grim cold hand of destiny their way to bar i murmur not dear love i only say again farewell god bless the day on which we met and bless you too my love and be with you in sorrow or in happiness nor let you e'er me forget little miss sophie when miss sophie knew consciousness again the long, faint, swelling notes of the organ were dying away in distant echoes through the great arches of the silent church, and she was alone, crouching in a little forsaken black heap at the altar of the Virgin. The twinkling tapers seemed to smile pityingly upon her. The beneficent smile of the white-robed Madonna seemed to whisper comfort. A long gust of chill air swept up the aisles, and Miss Sophie shivered, not from cold, but from nervousness. But darkness was falling, and soon the lights would be lowered, and the great massive doors would be closed. So, gathering her thin little cape about her frail shoulders, Miss Sophie hurried out and along the brilliant noisy streets home. It was a wretched, lonely little room, where the cracks let the boisterous wind whistle through and the smoky, grimy walls looked cheerless and unhomelike. A miserable little room, in a miserable little cottage, in one of the squalid streets of the third district, that nature and the city fathers seemed to have forgotten. As bare and comfortless the room, so was Miss Sophie's lonely life. She rented these four walls from an unkempt little Creole woman, whose progeny seemed like the promised offspring of Abraham multitudinous 
the flickering life in the pale little body she scarcely kept there by the unceasing toil of a pair of bony hands stitching stitching ceaselessly wearingly on the bands and pockets of pants it was her bread this monotonous unending work and though while days and nights constant labor brought but the most meager recompense it was her only hope of life she sat before the little charcoal brazier and warmed her transparent needle-pricked fingers thinking meanwhile of the strange events of the day she had been uptown to carry the great black bundle of pants and vests to the factory and receive her small pittance and on the way home stopped in at the jesuit church to say her little prayer at the altar of the calm white virgin there had been a wondrous burst of music from the great organ as she knelt there an overpowering perfume of many flowers the glittering dazzle of many lights and the dainty frou-frou of silken skirts of wedding guests filing and tripping so miss sophie stayed to the wedding for what feminine heart be it ever so old and seared does not delight in one and why shouldn't a poor little creole old maid be interested too when the wedding party had filed in solemnly to the rolling swelling pealing tones of the organ important-looking groomsmen dainty fluffy white-robed maids stately satin-robed illusion-veiled bride and happy groom she leaned forward to catch a better glimpse of their faces ah those near the virgin's altar who heard a faint sigh and rustle on the steps glanced curiously as they saw a slight black-robed figure clutch the railing and lean her head against it miss sophie had fainted i must have been hungry she mused over the charcoal fire in her little room i must have been hungry and she smiled a wan smile and busied herself getting her evening meal of coffee and bread and ham if one were given to pity the first thought that would rush to one's lips at sight of miss sophie would have been poor little miss sophie she had come among the bareness and sordidness of this neighborhood five years ago robed in crape and crying with great sobs that seemed to fairly shake the vitality out of her perfectly silent too about her former life but for all that michael the quarter grocer at the corner and madame laurent who kept the rab shop opposite had fixed it all up between them of her sad history and past glories not that they knew but then michael must invent something when the neighbors came to him their fountainhead of wisdom one morning little miss sophie opened wide her dingy windows to catch the early freshness of the autumn wind as it whistled through the yellow-leafed trees it was one of those calm blue-misted balmy november days that new orleans can have when all the rest of the country is fur-wrapped miss sophie pulled her machine to the window where the sweet damp wind could whisk among her black locks whirr whirr went the machine ticking fast and lightly over the belts of the rough jean pants whirr whirr yes and miss sophie was actually humming a tune she felt strangely light today 
ma foi muttered michel strolling across the street to where madame laurent sat sewing behind the counter on blue and brown checked aprons but the little mademoiselle sings perhaps she recollects perhaps muttered the rab woman but little miss sophie felt restless a strange impulse seemed drawing her uptown and the machine seemed to run slow slow before it would stitch the endless number of jean belts her fingers trembled with nervous haste as she pinned up the unwieldy black bundle of the finished work and her feet fairly tripped over each other in their eagerness to get to claiborne street where she could board the uptown car there was a feverish desire to go somewhere a sense of elation foolish happiness that brought a faint echo of color into her pinched cheeks she wondered why no one noticed her in the car passengers on the claiborne line are too much accustomed to frail little black-robed women with big black bundles it is one of the city's most pitiful sights she leaned her head out of the window to catch a glimpse of the oleanders on bayou road when her attention was caught by a conversation in the car yes it's too bad for neil and lately married too said the elder man i can't see what he is to do neil she pricked up her ears that was the name of the groom in the jesuit church how did it happen languidly inquired the younger he was a stranger evidently a stranger with a high regard for the faultlessness of male attire too well the firm failed first he didn't mind that much he was so sure of his uncle's inheritance repairing his lost fortunes but suddenly this difficulty of identification springs up and he is literally on the verge of ruin won't some of you fellows who've known him all your lives do to identify him gracious man we've tried but the absurd old will expressly stipulates that he shall be known only by a certain quaint roman ring and unless he has it no identification no fortune he has given the ring away and that settles it well you're all chumps why doesn't he get the ring from the owner easily said but it seems that neil had some little creole love affair some years ago and gave this ring to his dusky-eyed fiancée but you know how neil is with his love affairs went off and forgot the girl in a month it seems however she took it to heart so much so until he's ashamed to try to find her or the ring miss sophie heard no more as she gazed out into the dusty grass there were tears in her eyes hot blinding ones that wouldn't drop for pride but stayed and scalded she knew the story with all its embellishments of heartaches the ring too she remembered the day she had kissed and wept and fondled it until it seemed her heart must burst under its load of grief before she took it to the pawnbrokers that another might be eased before the endgame that other her father the little creole love affair of neil's had not always been poor and old and jaded looking but reverses must come even neil knew that so the ring was at the mont de piet still he must have it it was his it would save him from disgrace and suffering and from trailing the proud head of the white-gowned bride into sorrow 
he must have it but how there it was still at the pawnbroker's no one would have such a jewel and the ticket was home in the bureau drawer well he must have it she might starve in the attempt such a thing as going to him and telling him that he might redeem it was an impossibility that good straight-backed stiff-necked creole blood would have risen in all its strength and choked her no as a present had the quaint roman circlet been placed upon her finger as a present should it be returned the bumping car rode heavily and the hot thoughts beat heavily in her poor little head he must have the ring but how the ring the roman ring the white-robed bride starving she was going mad ah yes the church right in the busiest most bustling part of town its fresco and bronze and iron quaintly suggestive of medieval times within all cool and dim and restful with the faintest whiff of lingering incense rising and pervading the gray arches yes the virgin would know and have pity the sweet white-robed virgin at the pretty flower-decked altar or the one away up in the niche far above the golden dome where the host was holy mary mother of god poor little miss sophie Taitish, the busybody of the house noticed that miss sophie's bundle was larger than usual that afternoon ah poor woman sighed Taitish's mother she would be rich for christmas the bundle grew larger each day and miss sophie grew smaller the damp cold rain and mist closed the white curtained window but always there behind the sewing machine drooped and bobbed the little black-robed figure whirr whirr went the wheels and the coarse jean pants piled in great heaps at her side the claiborne street car saw her oftener than before and the sweet white virgin in the flowered niche above the gold-domed altar smiled at the little penitent almost every day ma foi said the slatternly landlady to madame laurent and michel one day i no see how she live eat nothing nothing almost and last night when it was cold and foggy eh i have to make him build fire she most freeze whereupon the rumor spread that miss sophie was starving herself to death to get some luckless relative out of jail for christmas a rumor which enveloped her scraggy little figure with a kind of halo to the neighbors when she appeared on the streets november had verged into december and the little pile of coins were yet far from the sum needed dear god how the money did have to go the rent and the groceries and the coal though to be sure she used a precious bit of that all the work and saving and skimping maybe yes maybe by christmas what a gift christmas eve night on royal street is no place for a weakling for the shouts and carousals of the roisters will strike fear into the brave yet amid the cries and yells the deafening blow of horns and tin whistles and the really dangerous fusillade of fireworks the little figure hurried along one hand clutching tight the battered hat that the rude merrymakers would have torn off 
the other grasping under the thin black cape a worn little pocket-book. Into the Mont de Piet, breathless, eager. The ticket? Here. Worn, crumpled. The ring? It was not gone? No, thank heaven. It was really a joy well worth her toil, she thought, to have it again. Had Titish not been shooting crackers on the banquet, instead of peering into the crack, as was his wont, his big round black eyes would have grown saucer-wide to see little Miss Sophie kiss and fondle a ring, an ugly clumsy band of gold. Ah, dear ring, she murmured, once you were his, and you shall be his again. You shall be on his finger, and perhaps touch his heart. Dear ring, ma chérie petite, de ma coeur, chérie, de ma coeur. Je t'aime, je t'aime, oui, oui. You are his, you were mine once, too. Tonight, just one night, I'll keep you. Then, tomorrow, where you can save him. Ah, the virgin, she smiles at me because I did right, did I not, sweet mother? She smiles, and I grow faint. The loud whistles and horns of the little ones rose on the balmy air next morning. No one would doubt it was Christmas Day, even if doors and windows are open wide to let in cool air. Why, there was Christmas even in the very look of the mules on the pokey cars. There was Christmas noise in the streets, and Christmas toys and Christmas odors, savory ones, that made the nose wrinkle approvingly, issuing from the kitchen. Michel and Madame Laurent smiled greetings across the street at each other, and the salutation from a passer-by recalled the many-progenied landlady to herself. Miss Sophie. Well, poor soul, not very much Christmas for her. May, I'll just call her in to spend the day with me. It'll cheer her a bit. So clean and orderly within the poor little room. Not a speck of dust or a litter of any kind on the quaint little old-time high bureau, unless you might accept a sheet of paper lying loose with something written on it. Titish had evidently inherited his prying propensities, for the landlady turned it over and read, Louis, here is the ring. I return it to you. I heard you needed it. I hope it comes not too late. Sophie. The ring? Where? muttered the landlady. There it was, clasped between her fingers on her bosom. A bosom, white and cold, under a cold, happy face. Christmas had indeed dawned for Miss Sophie, the eternal Christmas. End of section 18. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.